same old trouble Villains always knocking at the door Pretty pictures on the page But nothing ever stays the same Thank you, Vandello, and welcome, True Believers, once more to Graphically Novel. And with me, as always, my stalwart companion, the maze to my Lucifer. Take that as you will. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's Bear. We have our limited edition host. It's me, Jennifer. <laughs> Yay! And today we will be discussing the show and the graphic novel of Lucifer. One that I know Jen is extremely excited about. Before we get into Lucifer and the, I'm going to go with the pros and cons because I'm I'm definitely going to be the odd man out in this discussion. One of the things I noticed listening through the other episodes is when you and I did our first episode, we talked about our first experience with comic books. And And actually, this is a great episode to do that on because my first experience, aside from Archie Comics in the grocery store growing up, was with Sandman. Excellent. Neil Gaiman was my first foray into the quote-unquote adult world of comics. I greatly appreciated reading Lucifer as well. So to give a little background on that, Lucifer is kind of our backdoor episode to talk about one of Jedi's. And and I don't, Bear, have you read Sandman? I have not actually uh, read Sandman yet, but we'll get to that in this yeah, podcast yes. sooner or later. That's a 90s kid staple or the 90s comic book brand bringing everything into more of the mainstream. More it's a like goth girl fantasy, let's just face it. Like, <laughs> if you know a goth girl, she's going to talk about Sandman. Well, and that's ironic because I was an adult in the 90s, and the person that introduced me to Sandman knew me for several years and said, have you ever read Sandman? And I said, no, what is Sandman? And he explained it to me, and he's like, I really think it would resonate with you. Just knowing you and what your aesthetic is, he said, I think that you would really like this. And so when I read Sandman, I read it by issue. He loaned me his long boxes of the individual issues. Oof, one so, through 60. Wow. And, oh, no, one through 72. And they were all bagged and boarded. Oh, bagged and boarded. So wow. it was this kind a of process. a process. It was a process, but I think that it was reverent, you know? It was almost like a religious so thing. So this was your first experience yes. in comics. Yes. Everything's bagged and boarded. Yeah. Like, you didn't even have the fun of like, oh my God, I just came in the mail, open it up right now. Yeah, no. <laughs> so very spiritual experience. Was it like gloves and like... No, not no. that bad. Not right, that bad. Checking. I offered to teach you about comics in the third grade, but oh no, you <laughs> wanted to play Little League. <laughs> <laughs> it was an, an experience that actually I think that I probably appreciated the series more because of the care that I had to take to approach each book. Oh yeah, no, that you was know? cool. I really appreciated the experience, so shout out to my friend Rex Balboa for introducing me to the Sandman comics and for trusting me with his bagged and boarded individual issues in the long box. I really appreciate it. I still appreciate it. So thank you. I have one series, one to 60, that I've held on to for years and years and years, like almost uh, more than two decades at this point. And that's the entire run of Transmetropolitan, which 
remain one of my favorite comic book series of all times. And I have done that. Before I had graphic novels, before I had invested the money, I would invite people over and be like, no, you really need to read this comic. Here's the deal, though. You're going to sit in my living room and you're going to open these one by one. And if you're done for the day, that's fine. I will put everything back. But I was so protective of it. And I think a little bit of that is that mentality that we had in the 90s that comics would be worth something someday. And they're they're obviously not. The market has fallen out of that. But it's just really interesting to me that we have that question about the gloves <laughs> and the quote from Mallrats where he talks about how, or when he walks into the dirt mall, he's like, these should have boards in them, you bloody savages. <laughs> yeah. Those kind of things. But how few experiences we have anymore of that... First of all, of a 72-issue run, right? which I believe Sandman was. I think it was 72, so that would have been six years, and then it was done up until two years ago, and now the Sandman universe, which we'll talk about a little bit later, because I got a question that links with that. But going back to the Lucifer comic, and now that we have a little bit of understanding, it did come from Neil Gaiman's uh, Sandman, and in fact, one of the first story arcs of Sandman where Sandman goes down to hell because he's looking for his helm of power. Turns out that it is in hell and a demon has it. And it's a whole thing. But while he's there, he has a conversation with Lucifer. And Lucifer is basically like, yep, I'm tired of this. And I'm tired of being the antagonist. I'm tired of being the bad guy. So I'm done. I quit. Goodbye. And he just hands the Sandman, who there's a whole thing about the endless and, and what Sandman is, but he's the basically the personification of dream, the concept of dream. Lucifer hands him the keys and buggers off and goes to New Orleans. And that's where this series starts. So Mike Carey wrote Lucifer and he had taken it from Neil Gaiman. And actually, Neil Gaiman had 100% sign-off uh, and approval on anything that was going into these comics. So he was kind of the executive producer of these comics. Something that didn't happen that often, especially Marvel DC, but could happen, as we'll talk about, in the part of DC that I love, which is Vertigo, which we talked about a little bit during the Constantine episode. Sooner or later, we'll get into some actual, like, non-Vertigo DC stuff, and at that point, I'm sure we'll have to invite Cat over, but... <laughs> yeah, we have some guests coming up in Season 2. Coming back to Lucifer, let's talk about introductions to the series. Jen, you and I pretty much are going to have the same story on that because we started watching it together. Obviously, there was the announcement that Fox was going to do a Lucifer series. There was the expected freak out by all sorts of... F fangirl squealing. <laughs> well, there was fangirl squealing, but on the opposite end, there oh, was a right. bunch of conservative groups that obviously do not want to show about the devil as a sympathetic character. Exactly. Yeah. A, a show that celebrates the devil as being the main character of a TV show. Given my experience with Gaiman, I was so excited for this show. And actually, we should note, Gaiman also is an executive producer on this show. So the entire way he's been involved. So Bear, you hadn't watched the series at all, hadn't read the comic. Let's go from ground zero with you. All right, so me normally being with TV and movies again, this was one that wasn't really even on my radar. You were the one that was like, hey, you should really watch this series. And I watched the first episode here at your place. And the first episode was all right. On my own time, I'm going to go back and actually go through the whole thing. Good thing was I sat down 
opened up my Netflix account and watched the trailer. The trailer looks really awesome. Yeah, I'm going to dig into this. It was the trailer for fourth season. It was the trailer for fourth season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And let me tell you something. When you recap the first four seasons, this series looks great. If you actually just watched the first season, I really wasn't impressed with it. No, um, it does suffer from the first season slump. Some of the very, best shows do. Yeah, there's a whole lot of lack of momentum. There's some really great parts. There's some really fun tie-ins. If you've read the Preacher graphic novel or comics... There's some fun tie-ins to what happens when angels and demons get together. Right. Which is a little bit entertaining. I could go on a tirade, and I actually have the better part of a tirade written down in my notes about why I was not a fan of this series. See, and I think we're we're on the opposite end. It's a fun series. It's right. not a good series. <laughs> right. And I think that after most shows end, we look at each other and say, that was better than it had any right to be. Because it's not a critically acclaimed series, yeah. but it's, it's for what it is, it's really well done. It's better than it should be. It the really acting is. is really good. Right. The script is all right. The special effects are actually really good for the generic Netflix right. TV series. Most of the stuff about this series is pretty good. There's just... You got to get over the premise. This is a show and a comic book about the devil. It's Neil Gaiman. Let's drop the explicit tag on this. All right. The premise is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yes. The comic, the characters are well built. You expect that from Neil Gaiman. Yes. His characters, even the least of his characters, has more fleshing out than so many other stories. I I'll give you that. There's tons of character development for all of the characters. Right. Even the first season. I think the thing that really carries it is... The actors that are cast in those roles are spot on. Those characters, you know what those characters are going to do. Well, the entire because show they, yeah. was built around Tom Ellis. Yeah. The entire show was built around a guy that could not play the piano when the show started by season two and taught himself to play piano. Oh, I didn't know that. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm just going to throw some stuff out there. One of the things that I appreciated about the show versus the comic or people of color. This is true. I will totally give you that. I really like Amenadiel yes. as a black man. Amenadiel as a black man is amazing. He does a really great job. He really pulls off that whole angry angel wrath of God thing. He does right. it amazingly well. And this is not really a spoiler, but he just has that presence about him. Of course I'm better than you. Of course I'm above I'm, you. Of course I'm above course you. I'm that actor is fantastic for that role. And I can't imagine from the part of the the comic where Amenadiel is first introduced, it was so flat for me. Well, but that's the thing. And that's the difference, again, yeah. in your TV show versus especially your Sandman universe. Right. Neil Gaiman, all the angels are flat. Right. All the angels are flat and monochrome. Yes. And they kind of should be. They, and yeah. they have to be. Yeah. Right. Because right. they don't have choice. They don't have souls. They don't. You were very much going with that concept of angel. And so Lucifer is the exception because when he fell, he also developed his own destiny. That actually is more of a subject in the show than it is in the comic. It well, isn't because I see it as he's a rebel. And so he's broken out of kind of that monochrome static mold that the other angels are in. But 
in both the show and the comic get that his tone that slightly bored sarcastic reluctant tone yep. and it's only when something finally is interesting to him where he sort of pulls out of that he's got that, that specific that tone woke up that oh this of course you can't understand that because i could explain it to you but i don't want to yeah but where i was going with that was in the show way more than the comic he questions a lot more of is this actually my choice right or has god dictated that this is the direction that i have to go in and i actually found that detail more interesting in the show right than i did in the in the comic well, or, in or i would have loved it in the comic but right and that was something i wanted to point out is the show deals with more quote-unquote reality more stuff on earth more about the humans it's a more earth-based story rather than behind the scenes talking to demons talking well, yeah, to the, angels the talking to, is, that's all is it is literally this is it is such a long game that you have trouble remembering where the game started by the time you realize what the nail in the coffin is going to be at the end of the novel you're just like wait where did we start from right and then to pit that versus the wannabe police procedural that the show is it's a night and day difference but there's where i was saying you have to accept but <laughs> because this is when you're explaining it to somebody you're like okay so <laughs> it's a police procedural in los angeles where the main detective is a hot chick who has a little girl and works with her ex-husband and her partner is the devil. Yeah, pitch that. <laughs> somebody did. Somebody, somebody had Somebody to. did that. <laughs> and somebody else was drunk enough to say, let's join. <laughs> However, if you look at the police procedural aspect of the show, Lucifer working with the detective on the TV show is teaching him how to learn about what's going on in his world, right, in, his, in his, his reality. Because before he was just like, oh, oh, it's dad. I can't do anything. And now he's investigating. Now he's looking into things. Now he's seeing past what he just took as this is what it is. Which is a cool character growth thing for the show. Right. In the graphic novel, he already knew how to do that kind of stuff. I have these things. I'm going to go do. He was already smart enough to be able to work his way through that, past that, however you want to figure it. To me, there was something more compelling about he's got a plan because he's the devil. He should have a plan. He he left because he had a plan to do something else. Whereas yeah, in the series, he's just done with what he was doing. And now he's a dude and he's just trying to learn how to be a human. Well, I see it as he had a plan and his plan was he was done being used on the show. He right. was done being used. And he wanted to control his destiny, but he didn't know how to do that because all of his life he has been an angel, even though he was a fallen angel. And so it's sort of his learning how to be independent, but also realizing maybe why God loves humans so much. He's starting to understand why they're so important, why humanity is important. Why he hosted a rebellion, what the other side was for his rebellion. Because the other angels are, God said this and that's my reason. Right. They don't even like humanity and then lucifer rebelled because god was placing humans above angels and then was cast out 
Now, trust me, I was raised Catholic. Oh, I, I understand I, the, the whole story. The entirety of the show is Lucifer loving humanity. Because even in the well, first episode... Learning to love humanity. Even in the first episode, the only reason he gets involved is somebody messes with one of his. Right. So he had already established that. Well, he select both. Right. He is learning through Chloe's eyes that not just the people he encounters and loves personally are important... He's learning that humanity is important. Today I learned I need a Chloe. <laughs> uh, I don't know. There's... I very much subscribe to the monkey spear. There's a long list of things that stick out right off the top that is like, these are the reasons why I just couldn't get into it. Yeah. No, it's hokey. It's hokey as hell. Actually, the reasons aren't that it's hokey or that the premise is weird or anything like that. I mean, I'm going to go down my list of notes here. First off, this show is every fuckboy's fantasy. Super rich, I'm indestructible, I don't care about the rules, and every woman wants to have sex. I'm white, and I'm white. <laughs> I'm a white male. Then there's that one woman who doesn't want to fuck me that I can't seem to get with and none of my tricks work on. Man, there needs to be an episode with Lucifer with a fedora saying, m'lady. All these things just started screaming out at me. Was, ah, this is a fuckboy's dream is what this episode is and what this whole series is. I mean, you're not wrong. That's my biggest problem with it. Why I hate the series. That's why I'm... Maybe I'll try a season two just if I get time, but probably not. I am not going to dig further into the series, really. So I... this is the opposite of the keep reading question. Right. And I think that there are some episodes that I could show you that might change your mind a little. I don't expect it would change a lot because there are episodes where he gets everything he wants, quote unquote, and he doesn't want it. He finds out that that's not exactly what he wants. So sure. Yeah. But every other stereotypical dude out there that's, oh, this is the thing that I want. I want to be able to sleep with every woman ever. And no, no, maybe, maybe I don't. Maybe I just want that one girl that I've been chasing this whole time that has turned me down all the time. And I do like the concept of the devil getting friends out. Yeah. That, that's entertaining, yes. <laughs> Consider the character that is involved, that it, that it is the devil, and that it just doesn't work. Yeah, that's kind of entertaining. But when you take a step back and look at the bigger picture, I'm just like, really? Is this where we're going? Well, and I don't see that as a larger part of the series itself. Mm. So yes, that is an aspect of it. But I don't see that as the main thrust of the series. If you have a hard time getting past that, then you're never going to like the series. I, I probably won't. Because it's an element and it it's there, but it's not an important part of the storyline. Mm. That's interesting to me because I'm wondering if that's why you haven't gotten hugely into Supernatural. Because that's two brothers that basically get the girl and are two white dudes that... I mean, they get the shit kicked out of them a lot, but at the same time, they... There's been so many people that have said, you need to watch Supernatural, you need to watch Supernatural, and I started watching it, and at the time that I was watching it, there was a lot of other stuff going on, I got distracted, and I just haven't got back to it. Okay. So it's entirely possible that I might enjoy this series. I'm not saying one way or the other that there's any part of Supernatural that I don't like, mainly because I don't really have any experience with it. I think I've only watched like two or three episodes. Yeah, well, flying the geek flag, Supernatural is pretty much a Mortals Hunters World of Darkness show. Yeah, so and I get that, yeah. <laughs> that they get way over their head. And from what I also understand, it's also leverage, but in a fantasy world. Leverage kept getting more and more over the top. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. A lot of those shows have an escalation curve. It's Supernatural is very much an example of it. Even from what I understand, Supernatural sets the bar for escalation curve. <laughs> yes. But what we're talking about with Lucifer, same thing though. Because first season, as we've discovered, and I'm not going to get into spoilers, it does get more and more. You're dealing with Celestial, then you're dealing with the conflict between Heaven and Hell. At some point, you're dealing with otherworldly, like it stacks. Supernatural has just had so many years and the curve went so quick because it was only supposed to be five seasons and done. And now it's 15 is where it was. Yeah, we're pushing like NCIS levels of, of right. ridiculousness. Here. Right. Some of the best shows kind of did that. Name two. Smallville? Really? Yeah, I'll go with Smallville. <laughs> okay, I've never seen it, but I also wouldn't say it's one of the best shows. Well, okay. <laughs> right? That's where I was going. <laughs> the West Wing? The West Wing still only had, what? Seven. Seven seasons. Yeah. Right, but the escalation curve is what I'm talking about. I thought we were talking about we're into a dozen plus seasons and going, wait a minute. Family Guy, you have to get so shocking at this point. South Park, all of that. Yeah, there's stuff like that, the cartoon shows that have been around, like Simpsons, Family Guy. Futurama even got to that point towards the end. Stuff that's been around long enough that it's been around since before I was able to drink. There's some of our listeners out, I've known about this show since I was born. Still in the cradle. Right. First show I remember was from season 10. Here's the example, and actually it pulls us back to the show because I want to see if you know the link. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Seven seasons. Yeah. But you start with Big Badass Vampire. You end with the first evil. <laughs> like the original evil. But they did that thing and then they were done. And do you know the link between those two series? I do not. The actor who plays Amenadiel was Robin in season seven. He was the son of the Slayer that Spike killed. D.B. Woodside. Oh, no. He was a Scooby. That's just a geek thing to throw out. Bear, this one's going to be for you, and then I will throw it to Jen, because you and I had the conversation during our Constantine episode. Before you had watched a lot of Lucifer, and before you had read the comic, I talked about how those two characters are in the same universe, and each of them has a show. And now that it is on Netflix, and I'm even going to expand it further, there can be a Vertigo cinematic universe. Oh, there should be. With the Matt Ryan, Constantine, and the Tom Ellis Lucifer. And, well, and then we gotta figure out who's gonna play those two demons, because they pop up in Lucifer as well. Right. From Hellblazer, Constantine, whichever way you wanna go with it. Those two random demons that pop up, and as soon as I saw those, I don't know if you guys got that far in the graphic novel, probably about three quarters of the way through. I think you guys only did up to the cards, right? Yeah, full disclosure, book one of Lucifer, graphic novel, is really, really long. It's 13 issues. Jen and I did was through page... 150. So we read 150 pages worth of this 400-some page comic. Yeah, and I read the whole thing, and those 150 pages that you were into, you I mean, you really even haven't scratched the surface. I have read it before I was refreshing myself, but yeah. You don't even have all of the cards in your hand to figure out anything close to the plot that Lucifer is trying to put together. Right. Like, it is this a, is the ultimate long game. It is a very, very slow burn, but that's also what Sand. There were revelations from the first issue that you don't really understand until the last two of the Right. Well, and that's actually something I wanted to point out. In the graphic novel, 
Amenadiel comes to Lucifer and says, God needs you to do this thing. And Lucifer's like, fine, I'll do it. Just give me something. And in the TV show, Amenadiel comes to Lucifer and says, God needs you to do this thing. And Lucifer says, fuck right off. They are also different things that he's yes. asked. Right. It's true. Yes. It's true. Because in the show, it's you need to go back to L. Right. And you need to take over your old job. Right. And he says, go fuck yourself. Right. In the graphic novel, it's very much about the otherworldly. Yes. It's about the realms of heaven and hell and other gods and what have you. And the show does a great job of making it difficult to tell if what's going on is being influenced by something other than human or if it's just human nature you had asked a question before this oh oh the 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 vertigo shared universe yes that was the part that i was trying to get to is i think there's very much a distinct difference in the way that the story is presented between the graphic novel and the show see i read the entire graphic novel before i sat down to watch the series and I was already in that long game mindset. I was already in the, we're going to watch a bunch of different stories. And then I sit down to police procedural. We have very set structure for every episode. And it was like oil and water. Right. In that way, you experience the same thing I did. At the end of this graphic novel, they also have the three issue mini series that was before this. I collected... Yeah, the first 13 issues. So the first just over a year of Lucifer. This is what I own and what I read, this graphic novel. Mm -hmm. And so that was what I was expecting. And in fact, I was not going to watch the show when I found out what it was going to be. No, oh, because you are not a fan of police procedurals. I am not. I have never watched an entire episode of Law & Order. I almost did once, but it was the one time that there was no episodes on TV. When a friend of mine was like, we're going to sit down and watch Law and Order. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I've watched NCIS. That's about as close as I've gotten is an episode here or there of NCIS. Yeah, but NCIS is really only good for like the first two or three seasons. Well, that's really all I watched. I'm not a police procedural unless it's got a huge hook. It's kind of like first person shooter video game. Unless it's got a great plot like Bioshock or borderlands or fallout or something that pulls me into the world i really don't care and i have found that police procedurals all to me look like the movie forgetting sarah marshall projects them <laughs> you're absolutely right there there is nothing nothing the same other than title to the tv show there's, and there's the, a few names that's it yeah the i mean yeah. the characters are the, yeah you've got as the king yeah and that's that's about it yeah so here's what i found out in this Vertigo's being canceled. In DC right now, what is called the Sandman universe that they're creating in DC that involves House of Whispers, the Dreaming, and Books of Magic, which the Dreaming and Books of Magic were things before in the 90s. Books of Magic actually is really interesting to read if you are a fan of Harry Potter because it predated Harry Potter and it was also another Neil Gaiman thing. So Neil Gaiman's gone on record as saying, no, I've talked with JK and the whole thing but it's just kind of a similarity but the fourth one in this series is where they reboot lucifer into the sandman universe and dan is his partner in that comic series it's not chloe detective douche <laughs> is his partner and i haven't picked up the comic yet which is why we we're not reviewing it but there is a more modern take that we haven't gone over because it's actually not available on graphic novel yet. We compared this to the old one. I would say likely the new one will be 
a more modern, which we'll get into later. I have an issue between 90s comics and today, but... I actually want to stop you there when you keep saying more modern. There is a part in the hard section mm -hmm. of this that we were reading that felt all too modern and all too real. You're talking about the white supremacists. I yes. am talking about the white supremacists. Yes. And reading that really, it saddened me that that is even more prominent today how many years later why are we the mid-90s germany now right right, right. Yeah. why is this that happening be, it shouldn't be acceptable it yeah no be. oh it's seriously i've had family members look at me and be like you have to let the nazis have their free speech and looked at them and it's like the fuck i do i will punch a motherfucker well and just if you have not read the comic there is it does yeah. take place in Germany. Yep, that section. Yes, yeah. that section, because it takes place all over the world. He's based out of New Orleans, but he goes all over the world. And that section does take place in Germany. And there is very much the anti-immigration. Well, it's a bunch of white supremacists that beat the shit out of a gay guy. Gay Muslim. Gay yeah. Muslim. Well, or Paki or, or whatever. They are neo-Nazis. They are very much, that's what they call themselves. And you're right. In that way, it is very modern. It, well, and it's The fact that we're that still... In a way that it... With yeah. Right, but in a way that it shouldn't be modern. And that was my point. Yeah. It is sickening that that is still as much of an issue. To flip from that point a little bit to lighten things up a tiny bit, the settings, as we just were talking about, New Orleans is his base in the comic, but he goes all over the world and all over dimensions. And He starts in L.A. That's where he starts with the first story. That's where his club is. Yeah. Pretty sure. Lux is in L.A. I'm fairly sure Lux is in New Orleans. Well, the first story starts in L.A. that book and That's right. Dude. This is where we need a sax solo, right? <laughs> Where's my kazoo? <laughs> oh, no. Okay, so the, the first few pages are the three-part miniseries. But you are correct, Los Angeles, California. I am incorrect. I always thought it was New Orleans. All right. Don't get me wrong. Nolans is a great place for this whole thing to start off with, but okay, that was one thing they kept the same in the series. And they also reference Hollywood. One of the only things in doing my research, I found out that Lucifer Leaving Hell actually went to the main DC universe. And it was something that is referenced like here and there. But I could not resist telling you about Superman number 666, in which Superman is brought down to hell. And since Lucifer is gone, he becomes, for one issue, the ruler of hell. I, I, I need to see this. That was... Caused by Neil Gaiman, it's <laughs> caused by Lucifer. Well, and just because I'm sure the mic couldn't pick it up, that was a super heavy sigh on my part. <laughs> oh my God. I've entertained that. by this. I, Who I, needs that? Nobody needs that. Superman is a pretty useless character in and of himself. I kind of want to see something that actually makes him a little more entertaining is Superman going to hell? I'm just going to interject right now and say the bear does not have a Twitter. So if you want to yell at bear, you got to at graphically novel on Twitter and I would just forward them all to him. Or you can just hit me up on Facebook and scream at me there. But Superman sucks. <laughs> Superman is bland and boring. And, toast. and obviously couldn't even hack it as the Lord of Hell. <laughs> or he'd still be there. Yeah. Well, we wanted fan mail. 
So I haven't mentioned before, the Lucifer series was done by Mike Carey and Peter Gross. Peter Gross being the artist on it. But Mike Carey, this was his first gig at a major comic book studio. And the next things that he did were, he did a run on Hellblazer from issues 175 to 215. And The Unwritten, which was a bounce off of Fables, which is another awesome Vertigo series. Oh, uh, and he did early work on, which we will talk about at our season finale, X-Men Legacy. Such a good uh, the earlier versions of X-Men Legacy, which we'll talk about. It was a normal X-Men comic before it was the Legion comic. The ones that you read were not Mike Carey X-Men comics. But Lucifer was his first major label run, and he wrote the entire thing, beginning to end. The comic references the Endless peripherally, right. but they are actually mentioned in the comic. Right. And As I point right above me to the picture <laughs> of the Endless that is in our living room. And on the other side of that wall is... Your my, statue case. My collection of the Endless. <laughs> At first, when I was reading it, I was like, oh, the show, that would be so great if they brought in the Endless to the show. But it really doesn't fit that universe. It's not suited to the Endless showing up. I mean, if it did, it would take a completely different turn. And you might like it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from what I've seen, it would basically take over an entire season of the show. It would have to. Yeah. Well, and then it would not be Lucifer anymore. Right. And HBO has now optioned Sandman for a series. Right. So we'll see where that goes to. But I think probably end up kind of like American Gods, where if you were to take American Gods and focus on Mad Sweeney, you could do a really compelling story about Mad Sweeney. Right. But it, would but it wouldn't be God. what it was. It yeah. wouldn't be American Gods. Well, right. What they did with the series was great TV, but would that have worked as well as a book? Probably. In a lot of ways, it was close to the oh, yeah. book. I mean, they, up till, up till the end of season two. Kind of rearrange a few things. Yeah. 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 And, well, and expand yeah, certain right. storylines, right? Yeah. Kind of like the same thing that they did with Umbrella Academy. You know, they just, they took the little bit that we were given in the novel oh, and just made it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'd also like to point out that Neil Gaiman, he got his start writing Neverwhere, mm -hmm. was a British television series, and it became very popular. So Gaiman wrote the novel based on the TV show. I thought it was the... And he was, he was a screenplay writer on the TV show, but he wrote that novel based on the TV show. So he knows how to make that work. He knows how to make a novel work as a TV show or a movie, probably, I would guess. I mean, TV show would be easier. Stardust. Anything that he's tied to, I think, is suited for both print and film. I really like the guy, so. <laughs> All right, on that note, Bear, I think we've already heard, if you will keep reading, you will not keep watching, but will you keep reading? I would definitely keep Jen? I would always keep reading Gaiman. Absolutely. Well, this is where I'm going to I'm gonna stray the path. I think that this had its time. I think that I enjoyed it. I think that while this is Gaiman's world, it's missing some of the Gaiman pieces for me. But if you want this type of story, somebody running between heaven and hell, I would actually recommend Joseph Michael Lindsner's Dawn, which is about a goddess that isn't from heaven or hell. So she is the agent that heaven and hell go to if they need communication done. And the first one is about how God summons her and says, 
I want you to go to hell and I want you to get Lucifer's halo. I gave it to him. It was a gift. I want it back. And really interesting story. Seems awfully petty. Well, yes, they're both petty. Everyone's petty. Everyone's petty. It's well, not a great sense. view of religious doctrine, but I would recommend that above this. I think it's more relatable. They came up around about the same time, but I think that Dawn has held more. Lucifer is great. Sandman is great. I can't imagine somebody reading Sandman now and being as captivated with it as we were when we first read it. It's a long game and you have to have that mentality of the long game and graphic novels just really don't do that anymore. Not to say that nobody would like it. I don't think it'd have the mass appeal. Oh, I'm actually surprised and a little delighted that you think that Sandman had mass appeal. I really don't think that it did. I mean, I think that it did in the nerd community, but that was not a big community in the 90s. Coming out of the 80s into the 90s, that was not a big community. I mean, most of the people that I know have read Sandman. I have not read Sand. Right. It would be hard-pressed for me to pick out 10 of my closest friends that haven't read it. We have two things to go over really quick, kind of directly wrap up a little business and the first is that we haven't had an opportunity to talk about the other graphically novel on air we've put out a couple of statements on it there is another podcast called graphically novel it is done by three brothers we have been in contact with them this was a year and a half long project for us to get off the ground to put up the funds to get the website to get everything ready and in that time, the other Graphically Novel started actually in late May. We have talked to them. We're having bouncing emails back and forth. And we're both fine with there being two Graphically Novels. The internet is large enough for both of us. I would encourage you to listen to them because they don't do what we do. What they do is they take a graphic novel that each week one of them chooses. They Skype together. They go through and they talk about what the good things in the comic were, what the best panel was, what it's about, and why you should read it and they're extremely entertaining. They have what may be my favorite ranking system, which is the Batman ranking system, which goes from Bale down to Kilmer. Then they say what they would rank the comic. It's really good. Where does Affleck fit in that scale? I think, I think Affleck's towards the bottom. I think he's... No, he is higher than they thought he would be. I well, think he should be. Affleck was actually a decent Batman. <laughs> the other thing that I want to say is this is the first episode of October. It is the spoopy season. It is our favorite season of it's the my time <laughs> <laughs> it is our aesthetic for our house talking about Gaiman, we're talking about goth girls yep Hi. <laughs> and so we've been in contact with uh, the wonderful vandello who has said for lucifer they wanted us to feature another one of their songs at the end credits normally we do the entire version of their graphically novel theme but they want us to do evil streak which is another one of their wonderful songs off of their album let's hear it and so yeah take it away vandello Little principessa, sweet as can be. Leaning up against the perfume case, sampling the Givenchy. Oh, it would be so easy. Oh, no one would know if I slipped one into my bag, but I won't. Strolling down the grocery aisle and far 
as I can see Rows and rows of shiny bottles Beckoning to me Oh, all it would take Would be one sweep of my hand And they would all come crashing down Would it be so bad? Everybody's got an Don't know that I think about 